0: Welcome to Money Talk with Tiff, a podcast where we discuss everything money from tips and tricks to current events. Follow me on my journey to become debt free and meet other cool people along the way. I am your host, Tiffany Grant. Now let's talk money. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today we have a repeat guest on. Um, I had him back in my episode 12. So actually, a whole year almost to the day from the release of this episode. Um, I had this guy on last year and he was phenomenal. This past year, he's brought a lot of things to fruition that we talked about, and I am so proud of him. So the guy that I am referring to is Rakim Sabri. Right now, he is literally like a celebrity. So I'm like, dang, I got him. You know, when it was <laughs> started from the bottom, now we here, right? So um, <laughs> Rakim Sabri is a millennial, two-time author now, TEDx speaker and personal finance expert and coach. And I am so excited to have him back on. We have remained good friends throughout this entire year that we've known each other and his growth is phenomenal. So just to key you in on a little bit that has happened, and mind you, this is from October 3rd, 2019 to today. Let me just read you off some of his accolades, right? So, he has a TED Talk that he did called Financial Empowerment. So if you go to TED.com, you can find his talk. And it was it was great. Um, so that kind of spun off. Um, he launched Financially Irresponsible, which is his book, which became an Amazon bestseller. He was featured on Black Enterprise. He is currently writing for The Grio an entrepreneur. He was featured on Yahoo Finance. He was recently nominated as Business Insider's 23 Most Innovative Coaches. It's just been a lot of things that this brother has done. So, hey, Rakim,
1: how are you? Thank you for the very warm welcome. (laughs) And uh, it's good to be back.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, all of these things in just a year. Is your head spinning yet?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, my head's been spinning,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but I think the crazy part about it, and for me, the most phenomenal part of your story is that you did this all yourself without the help of a PR team. And, and to me, I'm like, wow, like before we got on, we talked a little about about imposter syndrome you know we talked offline about this topic because we both feel like we experience it so um for you what does imposter syndrome look like and for those that are not familiar what is imposter syndrome
1: um so definitely a multifaceted question here Mm -hmm. um and so i'm just going to tag it from a couple of different angles but i think in a nutshell, imposter syndrome is that feeling of doubt relating to your belonging or your deserving of the things that you otherwise deserve or, um, or, you, or where you belong. So um, when I think about our plight as Black people, first and foremost, and we talk about all of the social unrest and now that all of these large organizations are focusing on diversity and inclusion. And I have air quotes as I say that, um, you know, that's one thing where it's like, okay, are we getting into doors as a result of our own merits? Mm-hmm. Or are we getting into doors because people feel that they're doing a favor to, to, um, to mark off that quota? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at our demographic as financial professionals, and what the biases look like, or what biases exist from your prospective client around whether or not you're credible enough to talk about the things that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. right, finance is a very um, personal topic, it's a very intimate topic, and not everybody is going to be as forthcoming about their situation, especially, and this is unfortunate, if they look like you, they come from where you come from, they're the same age or older than you. And so um, fighting for credibility in that realm is, is a whole nother uh, beast to fight. So we're talking about as a black person, talking about as a financial professional, and then education, which is something that I'm passionate about. I talk about education all the time, especially financial education and education with context we have traditional views on education that look like, you know, you have your degree or your multiple degrees, you have your um, credentialed certifications and especially in the finance field, whether you're a certified financial planner or you're a CPA or um, whatever else designations exist out there, CFA. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't have all of those things, then what does that mean? Right. What do you, what, Yardstick, if you will, are your clients or onlookers using to measure your worth? And so I think within those three worlds um, and navigating those three worlds, imposter syndrome is real because I can stand in a room with somebody who has a PhD or a master's degree or a, a certification that says that they're more qualified than I am, but their story, their experience is not going to be the same as my experience, right? They're not going to be able to tell the story and connect to that client in the same way that I might be able to. And so getting to a point where you can overcome that doubt um, around what value you bring and how you bring that value is it's is a challenge I think for all of us and that's like that's the imposter syndrome that uh that I navigate kind of on a day-to-day
0: Mm-hmm. and you know um because I'm right there with you uh, I think we might have talked about it before but I know I've talked about it on the podcast you know the financial industry is predominantly white old and male right yep. and I don't fit any of those categories, none of them, <laughs> right? And so for me, it's like, okay, I know I know what I'm talking about. But when I'm in the room with other financial professionals and everybody's like, oh, I'm a CFP, I'm a CFA, I'm a CFEI, whatever, whatever abbreviations you want to, you know, acronyms you want to put on it. Um, you know, it, it feels like, well, dang, am I really supposed to be here? Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because you start feeling less than, right? Um, and I know coming from my standpoint, um, as always being the only one in the room, you know, um, there's only, I can count on one finger, (laughs) How many times I've been to like a financial professionals event and there was somebody that looked like me. So I'm talking about a black female, right? And for me, I feel like that's so disheartening. But at the same time, it means that I have to do more in order to prove myself. Um, one one thing that I wanted to bring up on the same topic is I was on Facebook the other day, right? And this female said, I only get my financial advice from males, which I'm not against. (laughs) But I was just like, wow, because I also believe that you can learn something from everyone, right? So she was she wasn't even directing it towards me. She just said it in a comment and it was actually a screenshot from that whole thread. So I wasn't even part of that thread. Um, but I was just like, wow, so there's really people out here that think like that. So there are really people out here that are like, Oh, I only want to talk to a male to get financial advice because maybe they think that females don't really know much about personal finance. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I was just like, wow, like I was kind of taken aback. And there's so many flaws in that level of thinking, because even though I'm a young black female, I still feel like I can learn something from everyone. I have friends in all aspects of personal finance, of all different races, sexes, everything. And I learn something from each one of them. So I think also part of Getting over the imposter syndrome, especially as um, a community, is if we are able to take information, um, and not just our community, but other communities as well, start listening to people that don't look like you. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Or listen to people that do look like you. Like, we have to have balance. <laughs> we have to have balance because everybody has something to bring to this proverbial table. So with all of that being said, I know part of my imposter syndrome is because in finance, I don't have any certifications. Um, all of my certifications is, are in HR um, because that was my past life. No, <laughs> we stop. Um, But that's what I was doing when I was in corporate was HR. So all of my certifications are there. Yes, I have an MBA. But that doesn't say, oh, Tiffany knows what she's talking about, about finance. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. So, like, for you, what does that look like?
1: Um, so I, I I think, I'm glad that you said that because I think sometimes we look at somebody's credential, and I'm just going to use, like, a really exaggerated credential. Like, somebody goes and they get their PhD, but maybe their PhD isn't, like, I don't know, music theory, right? And there's something mm. about money, right? but we're looking at this individual's credential as all encompassing as if that PhD qualifies them to talk on a level of, or talk with a level of authority mm-hmm. on finance when the discipline that they studied had nothing to do with finance. Preach. And, and so, you know, we're talking about looking at, um, blanketing credentials. We're talking about discounting someone's individual experience, um, or somebody's lived experience versus what academia teaches. And so you said a a few points that really resonated with me. One of them being um, when you go into a room and you do see another black professional speaking on finance, your experience is still likely to be very different because their education on finance might have come through the lens of educating people who are wealthy, who come from wealth, um, who don't have the same cultural barriers that we do. And so when they get into a room with another Black person who does not come from wealth, who's experienced poverty, who has all of these anxieties and fears and doubts and just psychological trauma as it relates to living in poverty, they're going to have a hard time connecting and um, addressing all of those issues because of the way that they were trained. And so um, I think as a community, adding on to your point around listening to other people from other communities, listening to people from our communities, what we need to do a better job at is celebrating those of us in our communities who are doing the work, mm-hmm. because if, and, and it goes into that you know age-old conversation about Black business versus non-Black business, if um if I'm standing here with no certifications and I'm listing out to you all of the credentials or names associated with mine right business insider entrepreneur the Grio Black Enterprise TED Thrive like all of these different places and they're like yeah but you know the white guy next to you who just graduated with his um, master's and got a, a, a CFP or whatever I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna prefer to give him my money why. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that's that psychological damage in terms of or rather conditioning in terms of who's credible, often just often just book value, you. Right. So, um, so in terms of my own education, and this is something that I was very ashamed of for a long time, but I never finished my four year degree. I went as far as an associate's degree. Um, originally, my plan was to go on to become a psychiatrist. I wanted to be a doctor, uh, I wanted to get my doctorates and I just, life happened and I got derailed and I fell into finance through banking by accident and I've been here ever since. But when I fell into that and I started to develop a passion around, first of all, getting myself right, but then secondly, sharing what it is that I learned with other people, I was able to um, leverage that passion or that interest that I felt was a passion in psychology Um, by helping people, by helping people and having conversations about what their psychology looks like as it relates to managing money. What are the generational curses, right, that we think that um, impacts our ability to make money, control money, grow our money? What are our anxieties? What does self-esteem look like in terms of our believing that it's possible? And there's so many people, I mean, I've had multiple conversations this week, about mindset and saying, hey, like, stop looking at yourself as a victim. Stop looking at, you know, somebody else to save you. Do the work, change your mindset, control your outcome. And it sounds so simple. And I think because it sounds so simple, it comes off as condescending to some people. But it's truly as simple as making a decision and then walking in that decision. Um, And as you walk through that, you start to see opportunities present themselves. You start to see people wanting to help you out of the situation that you're in because they see you doing the work, you know, and I've been I've been doing the work that I've been doing for a long time. But, um, you know, now that I'm being recognized by large brands, right, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. business insider, all of a sudden I'm credible because these big names are associated with me but I'm the same person. I'm the same person that I was a year ago and talked, right? Exactly. But now all of these all of these names are attached to me and they're like, oh, wait, like this guy is, is the real deal. He's legit like, because now. Somebody, because somebody else had to say so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. And that brings up an excellent point because like, you know, how you've had all of the success over the year, this past year is crazy because like, you know, I've been getting recognition here lately. And with that recognition, more people are reaching out to me, but I'm like, I'm the same person. Like I've been putting out the same exact information (laughs) for like three years now. Like I've been educating people for three years now, but now it's like, um, And it goes back, I think it also goes back, not saying that this is where the recognition comes from, but people are becoming more aware of Black-owned businesses, Black-owned enterprises, Black-owned, you know, educational resources, whatever you want to call it, more people are becoming more in tune with that. So if no other time was the time now is the time like that is what i've been telling people um and for me it's been amazing how so many businesses have popped up like i am loving this coronavirus season for that like although it's been horrible you know as far as the deaths as far as people getting sick and things like that it's been great for some people because they were able to work from home not be in the day-to-day of going to work and this that and the other and their creativity has flourished (laughs) like the creative things that I have seen during this time Has been amazing, right? So Mm -hmm. now we need to take everything that's happening and everything that has happened and start channeling and funneling that energy to make ourselves greater than what we are today, right? So all uh, COVID, coronavirus, quarantine, all of this stuff, there are people that are still starting new businesses, growing their businesses, getting featured in things, you know what I'm saying? Um, So I say all of that to say, um, don't use the victim card, the victim mentality, right? That's what you were saying, don't use that victim mindset. Start looking at things as opportunities. And yes, um, being a person of color, you may have to work extra hard, but so what? Do it. Do the work, Uh, right? Because there's been a lot of times, I'm sure you can agree with this, where I have been the only person in the room that looked like me. Plenty of times in HR and in finance, right? But at the same time, I didn't use that as an excuse to back away from the situation. I used that as an excuse to go harder. You know what I'm saying? Um, because my like, I would love to see more people like me in these rooms, in these spaces. And so I'm like, if I can be an inspiration for the next person, then I'm going to do what I need to do to make that happen.
1: <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> I,
0: yeah, and I didn't mean to get on a whole soapbox, but I'm very passionate.
1: <laughs> no, we, we, we need as many of those soapboxes as, as we can get because it's, it's, it's conditioning, right? Like there are people out there who know that they should be doing more or that they could be doing more or that there's some talent that they have that they're sitting on that they're not executing on. And they're looking at everybody around them do that thing and like you said this pandemic has been such a transformational time for the people who have decided to take action and for the people who have not it you know it's just kind of like like you're bypassing so many opportunities here to um to learn about wealth generation to grow your wealth to diversify your talents. I mean, during this pandemic is when I started writing for large publications. And I I didn't, I mean, I consider myself a writer um, when you look at long form texts like books, right? Like I put out two books, but I didn't consider myself like a short form writer, you know, writing between 500 um, and maybe 1100 words to get an idea across. And when I got into the groove around that, more opportunities started to find me. And so now I'm finding Um, And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but now I'm finding that the opportunity to expand my reach and grow my brand and my digital footprint is exponentially greater than, you know, some viral picture or meme that I can post on Twitter or Instagram. And so, um, you know, taking advantage of the downtime, taking advantage of opportunity, learning a new skill, being okay with investing in a new skill set are all things that are going to help propel you forward. Um, and I made a tweet last night. It was late last night, so I didn't. So I didn't get a lot of engagement on it. But I was talking about you know how we block our blessing, mm-hmm. and um, the specific tweet that I um, that I'm mentioning. I said, know that your blessing might require some work, some growth, some fear, some discomfort, some pain, and that's okay. You grab that blessing and you work it until it produces the result that you're after. Because people expect that this blessing is going to fall out of the sky into their lap and everything's going to be okay. And, and that's not it. Like I think we bypass opportunity that we can turn into blessings every single day because it's not perfect. It's a little ugly. It needs work it requires a little bit more energy than we're willing to put in. We have to wake up earlier, we have to stay up later, you know, and and because of the investment and in work that we have to do, people just like, yeah, nah, like that's not for me, that's not the blessing. If it's, if it's for me, it's gonna be for me and it's gonna be like this shiny, perfect thing that happens and we're walking around waiting for that and that's just, that's not realistic.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Um, I'm glad you brought that up because actually this past Friday, I taught a class um, because that's one thing that's happened to me (laughs) in this past year. I'm now teaching at the university level and I was teaching my class about motivation, right? So we were talking about goal setting and motivation. And a lot of people get deterred from what their goals are because they don't see the immediate result so you can you know kind of look at weight loss for instance everybody wants to lose weight but if you don't see that immediate payoff that immediate result you kind of start giving up right so okay
1: that's a perfect example
0: right so if you don't see that immediate result you're like, okay, well, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do yesterday. I ate right. I worked out all day, but I step on a scale today and I gained two pounds. What am I doing this for? I don't want to do this anymore. And so the motivation starts lacking. Another reason is because they say that they don't have time. But what you have to realize is there are 24 hours in each day. And even if you take out some for sleeping, let's say you have 16 hours, right? In each day, how you use that 16 hours is completely up to you every minute, every second counts. And so, you know, there's somebody out there, (laughs) like you might have a thought, there's somebody out there that's already acting on that thought. And then what gets me is when people say, oh, this person stole this and this person stole this idea and stole that name, whatever, whatever. But really, if you look at the if you get to the nitty gritty of the situation really it's because you didn't act on it fast enough because a lot of times when we have business ideas we've had them for years <laughs> you know but while we're over there um, lacking the motivation or lacking the drive or lacking the discipline to get it done there's somebody somewhere else that is doing the thing right and so we have to start instead of you know, looking at external forces, start looking at internal forces. Like, find, and this is what I told my students, find an intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic means this motivation that comes from the inside. So, you know, for me, my intrinsic motivation to keep Money Talk with Tiff going is because internally, I... Love helping people learn about money. Like, I feel like everybody needs to learn about money, and I know that my audience needs to hear me. And so that's my intrinsic motivation. So, even when days get hard, when I feel like, because I have felt like this even lately, I don't want to do it no more, right? I go back to that intrinsic motivation, that ultimate why, and I'm like, okay. I can keep going you know what I'm saying so I ain't not mean to preach on that but
1: <laughs> oh, you know what it's it's today's the day for the preaching look keep it going <laughs> right it is Sunday ain't
0: it um but uh but I say all that to say back to what you were saying about motivation like you have to find it within yourself and stop looking to external forces to make things happen. Like a lot of people use excuses while well, my family friends don't support me or um, this person's not helping me with this and this, that, any other, whatever, whatever. Look at what you did this past year. You had a whole PR spree and you did it by yourself. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yes. It would have been easier It might've been easier. We don't even know if you had help, but you were able to do it by yourself because you were on a mission. You were on a mission and you had the intrinsic motivation because your intrinsic motivation, just based on what I'm hearing is that you wanted to build credibility because you know, you know what you're talking about, but you want other people to know that you know what you're talking about. And so even when times got hard and let me know if I'm misspeaking, um, you thought back to that thing and you were like, but you know what? I have to keep going. I still need more visibility because I'm not at that point yet. Right. Um, And also what I tell people, when you start getting your stuff out there, opportunities will start coming to you. (laughs) Right. So like for instance, and I'll just speak from my standpoint, when I started the blog, when I started the podcast, I didn't really know where it was gonna go, right? I didn't know where it was gonna go. I was just like, I'm gonna start putting this content out because I feel like it's gonna help somebody. And now we're talking almost three years later. Um, the podcast is getting nominated for awards. The blog is nominated for awards and getting mentioned in different things. And. I didn't even have that intention when I started out, but the opportunities start coming to you. If you start walking in your purpose and I think that's what a lot of people miss. A lot of times we get so caught up in the fear of it all. We get Mm -hmm. so caught up in, okay, I can do this. You get this great idea. You want to do it, but you're like, but I don't know, but I don't know, but this, but this, but that, and we get stuck in the fear and that is what hinders us from moving forward. And then we look back three or four years later and we're like, dang, if we I would have started that then, I wonder where I would be now. It's time to stop wondering. Get it done. Right. <laughs> Get it done. Like, if there's anything you're thinking about right now, if you listening to me and Rakim, <laughs> like do it. Do yep. it. Yep. Um, it took it took massive courage for you to st- to stand on that TEDx stage, right? Massive courage. I know at that time, you know, back when we were talking before, I was the one like, oh, I don't know. What am I going to talk about? I don't know if I should apply. I don't, you know, we've had that conversation multiple times and I stepped out of that fear and I applied to different ones, you know, or whatever didn't get chosen, but I didn't let that deter me, right? So, I'm still applying for TEDx things, and you were my motivation behind that, if you never heard that before. (laughs) Thank you. So, I, I say that to say, whatever it is, That you need to do and I'm gonna get off this topic whatever it is that you have been some whatever has been put on your heart to do put on your mind to do put in your soul to do go ahead and do it now is the time if you never heard anybody else say that to you now is the time now is the time to get it done don't let fear deter you from being great because the only person holding you back is you And you, you can see that with these two examples you have on the line with you right now, (laughs) right? Like,
1: the only... I'm going to be vulnerable for a second, too, because I don't want to pretend that this year um, was all highs. You know, I started you know, we had, the start of this year was very shocking to, like, the core of my being, right? We had lost Kobe, which, you know, he was a generational icon, particularly for our generation. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the first celebrity death that really, like, rocked me, like, rocked my world. I was like, oh, damn, like, okay. And then at the end of February, um, I lost uh, my best friend of, like, 15 years half my life he turned 30 in december i turned 30 in may we met um when i was 14 15 so literally like half my life he was uh, murdered and that like rocked me to my core as well and i remember doing a presentation for a group of kids maybe three days to a week afterwards it was still very raw um but i knew that i committed to this and i was like you know what let me get it done Let me go there. Let me get it done. um, And let me just continue to work through that. So there were definitely challenges, right? Then coronavirus hits and you're wondering, you know, what's going to happen with work? You get sent home to work from home. You're wondering what's going to happen if your income is interrupted. Um, I have had to change strategy on a dime to, um, to, to kind of help navigate this uncertainty right that we're experiencing in terms of what income looks like what the economy looks like so there have been challenges mentally emotionally spiritually physically and there was times that i thought i was getting sick and i'm like oh my god like please don't let me have this virus <laughs> i think everybody's had that thought this year went as far went as far as go to the doctor to get checked out like what is wrong with me and um you know, became very conscious too of like maintaining your health, Uh, maintaining your health specifically for me as a man, as a black man, when we um, saw that Chadwick Boseman passed away, you know, Black Panther, I was just like, wow, you know, like this guy is working through a tremendous amount of pain, discomfort and just nobody ever knew. And it was just, it was very sudden and, but it was, I think for for me, it, it, it pulled back these layers of illusion that we have around invulnerability and these layers that we have around just, um, well, we're gonna be here, everything's gonna be okay, I'm gonna bounce back. And that compounded by the psychological trauma of seeing black men executed on video and TV or whatever, you have Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, and then just keeps going, right? Like there's just this constant attack on our psyche and you still have to produce in all of that. You, I still had to produce in all of that. I chose to continue to produce in all of that. And so, you know, when we talk about, you know, what these accolades look like and what these accomplishments and taking advantage of the day looks like. Um, I'm I'm fiercely echoing your statement in that it's not going to be easy. Like, not not a matter of it's not going to always be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. It's something that, like you said, you have to be intrinsically motivated to walk in your purpose. And I and I firmly believe that the work that I do is aligned to what is my spiritual destiny. And that is why, through it all. I'm still prevailing.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, I can speak to that. I don't know how many people follow me on Facebook and social media, but I've been having health issues lately. And I still want to put out content and still put out information for people even in the midst of all of that because and and mental health let's just talk about mental health for a minute because you know I'm always very vulnerable um with sharing my story on mental health you know I have long-term severe depression and anxiety and lately it's been acting up you know what I'm saying um but I feel like having that, because, intran- and let me just be fully transparent real quick, um, and this is, this is, this is wild, but maybe about two weeks ago, I had an episode where I felt so strongly that I did not want to be on this earth anymore. I felt so strongly. It was one night, I was just like, I just want to be out. Like, I'm done. I'm done here. And I felt stuck. I literally felt stuck because of my kids. I was like, dang, I want to leave, but I can't because my kids are here. And I felt so strongly about that thing um, that I can see how people get to the point where they actually act out on those thoughts because it was so strong. But I was like, you know, my kids are here. If I was to die, what would happen with them? And that's what kept me here. And so that was my intrinsic motivation in that moment was my kids and wanting to be here for them. And when I woke up the next morning, I was like, okay, things are not as bad as I thought they were, you know? Um, Because it, it seems like every time I have a battle with my depression or things like that, It's like when I make it through that roughest point ever, it's like on the other side, doors just start opening. Things just start coming to fruition and things just start happening. And it's like, maybe it's God or the universe testing me. Like, okay, here, I'm going to throw everything at you at once. I'm going to see how you react. If you get through this test, then I'm going to give you even more that you can handle. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just wanted to be really open with that because a lot of people are afraid to talk about mental health and mental, you know, illness or whatever it is that you got going on, but there's power in vulnerability. There's power in not letting it deter you, not letting it get you to the point where you want to give completely up and there's power in talking about it. And so I want to make sure that that's to the forefront as well. But there's been a lot of things this year, you know, with COVID happening, a lot of my money was coming from speaking events. Guess what? Can't do speaking events anymore. Like this was my year where I was actually traveling to speak. Right. Um, and Everything got canceled. So then I'm like, okay, now what do I need to do as, you know, a business owner, as someone that was depending on this money? Now, what do I need to do? Do I need to go to more online? Do I need to look at different outlets? Whatever. And I will say it's crazy, like even through all of that, um, I'm still getting the visibility that I seeked at the beginning of the year because my 2020 word was visibility, right? So everything that I was doing was to get more visible to, you know, the outside world because... At the end of the day, like you said earlier, you can do all this work, you can put out all this content, you can do everything, but if nobody sees it, nobody's ingesting it, nobody is looking at it, then you're doing it, but are you really serving the purpose that you want to serve? You know what I'm saying? So um That was my word for this year. And I was like, yeah, I'm about to travel to D.C. to speak. I'm about to travel to California to speak. I'm about to do this and have all the travel and everything booked. And then everything got canceled. And I could have in that moment said, well, shoot, I just give up. Like, how the heck am I supposed to be visible this year when everything shut down? But I did it and I'm getting visibility in other ways. So I just wanted to be very vulnerable and transparent, you know, like you did where, you know, entrepreneurship is not easy. it's not easy at all. And I tell people this all the time. You know, I feel like a lot of people have this dream about entrepreneurship, like, oh, if I'm an entrepreneur, I can work less, I can be more productive, I can do this, I can do that, blah, blah, blah. It's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy at all. Um, Because you have to realize that All this stuff, like let's say you are working a nine to five job, all that stuff, there's a separate marketing team, there's a separate HR team, there's a separate accounting team, there's a separate, you know what I'm saying? There's all these separate departments. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're doing all of those things by yourself until you can um, hire help. And so that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of pressure being put on you you can do it but it's not going to be easy and so i want people to understand that entrepreneurship is very fulfilling i love it i've been doing it full time for what a year over a year now it's awesome um <laughs> over a year now but during that time there has been so many things that have come up, that could have deterred me, that has gotten me down, depressed, anxious, all of these different emotions that I felt during entrepreneurship, um, you have to, and I keep going back to this, you have to have the intrinsic motivation, because if you're just doing it for the money, it's not going to (laughs) work. It's not going to (laughs) work. That's right. Oh, So I think we have covered (laughs) quite a bit here. (laughs) So, Rakim, let's go ahead and wrap this up because I feel like we are leaving on a high note. <laughs> we done gave <laughs> people, you know, we done motivated them. We got them ready to go out and do whatever it is that they supposed to be doing today. So, how can people find you if they wanted to get in contact with you? Oh, and also plug your book and all that other stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh... I'm big enough now that I have my own, uh, knowledge panel on Google. <laughs> Ooh. So they can, they can definitely type my name into Google, but, um, uh, my social handles, my website is all, um, my name. So at Rakim Sabri on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, um, my website is RakimSabri.com. That's R-A-H-K-I-M-S-A-B, like boy, dot And from there, um, all of my socials are linked on my website. My books are linked. Interviews that I've done are linked, uh, uh, things that I've been featured in publications, blogs, all of it is, um, is in that centralized location. But, um, you know, people are definitely free to do some poking around and, you know, Google my name and f- see what else comes up. I uh, I try to monitor that as closely as possible, but, you know, can't catch everything.
0: Right, right. Well, thank you so much. And I'll have all of those links, um, especially his website, in the show notes so you all can just make it even easier. Click bam, there you go. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much again, Rakim. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Once again, we have fun. Um, Like I said, if you want to check out his other episode that we did together, it's episode 12. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. This was helpful for a lot of people, I'm sure. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you, um, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. And maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll make this a yearly thing next October. I'll come back and t- tell you what else I've done. <laughs>
0: right next October, I'm be like, what millionaire? What Forbes? What Forbes one hundred? No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> but
0: you never know. You never know. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right, Rakim.
1: Bye. All right. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to MoneytalkwithT.com. And while you're there, why not sign up for our newsletter so you'll never miss an episode. Talk to you soon.